Hey friends, Ashley Souza here. I spent years working in dental offices wishing I had a friend to guide me. So I'm here now via the Practice Ally podcast to guide you on your journey in dental management. Hey y'all, we're about to get into episode one. Woo! In this episode, we're going to talk about the different practice types. I talk about this for people that are looking to make a transition, think the grass is greener, or are just straight curious. Let's get into it. Hey guys, it's Ashley. Welcome to the first episode of the Practice Ally podcast. I first wanted to start off by telling you a little bit about myself, since we don't know each other quite yet. I've been in the dental industry since 2009. I've been a dental assistant, an office manager, a developmental manager, a regional manager, an executive leader, and all of that experience came from working with a few DSOs. But I've also been a private consultant for private practices and smaller DSOs and a practice owner. In my career, I've had a lot of success. I believe that success has come from having real relationships with dentists. I talk to doctors and their teams as if they are my friends. I give them real advice and have real conversations, even if it's uncomfortable for me. I've never met a doctor that didn't appreciate that. That is why over all the fancy titles I've accumulated in my career, I prefer to be called a friend. I obviously come from a different perspective than most. I think that's why I felt the need to do a podcast and help people like you. I thought the great first episode would be to tell you my thoughts on the different practice types And of course, each company differs, but here's my overall take from my experience. Let's first talk about DSOs, the not so good. Sometimes DSOs carry a bad reputation. I think this happens because sometimes good companies have bad people that work for them. And unfortunately, if one of them happens to be a leader, then that can affect a whole area of the organization. What I mean by that is if you have a vice president in the organization for the whole state of California, And we'll say the vice president is power and money hungry, or maybe just doesn't have very good leadership skills. That's going to trickle down to the directors, the regional managers, the office managers, the clinical leaders, and the doctors. This is where DSOs can be so draining and toxic, surrounded by negativity and pressure to work long hours. Another thing that's not so good about DSOs is the politics. I have found that with large and small DSOs, there's always some types of politics involved. There's people that need to be impressed or schmoozed. This was the part that I was so horrible at. So I will say I hated this the most. There is a lot of good things about DSOs, however. Being someone who is well removed from the large DSO I worked for it for many years, I can give you my honest opinion. Here it is. I actually like DSOs, the energy in the environment, the innovation around growth, it was fun for me. The great thing about being a part of a DSO is the opportunity for growth and the development that comes with it. I'm very grateful for the huge part the DSO I worked for for many years played in my development. Another great thing about DSOs is they have a corporate structure that supports the individual practices. Y'all, they have things like mergers and acquisitions, risk management, call centers, a collections department, purchasing, shipping, training and development, human resources, payroll, IT, and don't even get me started on the huge amount of operations and clinical support. You get it, they have hundreds upon thousands of employees just to support all of their offices. This means that every time 
they open the doors of a new office that they have all the things. The job description, the software, supply list. When I left the TSO and started helping private practices, I was like, wait, you can't just call IT support? You can't press a button and order all your supplies? Uh, duh. (laughs) I know that's so silly, but it was just so normal to me because that was like my everyday. Luckily, the first few practices, um, the private practices that I worked for, the dentist also worked with me at um, some of the DSOs that I helped. So they totally got it and were really, really patient with me. Another thing I really like about DSOs, it kind of trickles into my last point, is the ability to network. Working at a DSO, you gain a huge network, and that in turn leads to other opportunities, of course. I mean, I met a woman named Beth. And she was in human resources. And she was the first person that ever had a hard conversation with me. She showed me that you need to have hard conversations to bring out the best in people. And it forever changed my life and my leadership. I met a hygienist that was also passionate about hygiene. And I found myself dreaming about her words at night. She made a huge impact on me as well. That's just one of the great things about networking and meeting passionate people. Somebody else that I met while working at DSOs was a vice president named Lori. Um, She introduced me to personal development and audiobooks, and that not only shaped me professionally, but has forever changed who I am as a person. Of course, I also met countless doctors that have been my very best friends. One of my doctors from when I was a dental assistant was even in my wedding. He moved out to Texas when I moved out to Texas, and so we just really had a good relationship, and I really value that. I really value all that all of the doctors have taught me and that they continue to teach me new things and continue to um, grow my mindset on dentistry every single day. Let's talk about group practices now. Now, of course, I must say that this is what I found in my experience. It doesn't mean that they're all like this. It's just my opinion. Please don't kill me. So group practices usually have between 2 and 10 practices. Some even have 20. Let's just go ahead and get the cons right out of the way. So I think the biggest con is usually that group practices don't have the support needed. There are few people in management. Most of them have never led a large team before or managed multiple units. They most likely have had good results in their previous positions, and that's why they were promoted. But from there, they're not given the tools for their new role. What I find is that this sometimes creates a lack of autonomy, culture, and clarity in all of the practices that they lead. In these practices, they don't use growth to inspire people as they do so well in large DSOs. Ah, it's such a missed opportunity. People will work harder when you dangle that carrot in front of them. And also, it's real. Okay, let's move on to the next con. And I'm not sure that this is necessarily a con, but it's definitely a different mindset than the way that I think. Here it is. Group practices sometimes treat every unit as a separate unit. Okay, yes, of course, from a profit and loss perspective, you must do this. But what about unity? What about teamwork? Or just serving your dang patients? I mean, going back to my DSODs, just for a second, I think you get me by now. I can call Sally in another office in another city, and she can help me with insurance or ordering or auditing or anything that I might need help with because we're... They're not as busy as we are right now, or we're short-staffed, 
or whatever the case might be. Now, I'm not saying that this happens all day, every day. And of course, I know a lot of people are going to disagree with this. But honestly, if I'm, if it's just going to make everyone's life easier, and if that's what you need to do, just go ahead and reallocate the dang wages. Maybe I'm being ignorant, but I'm all about the team and the patient. And I just feel like group practices are not using unity as a tool in their day-to-day life. Okay, cons out of the way. Now, there's a lot of good in these group practices. Number one, there is a clear line to the top, meaning that the owners and leaders are usually involved in the day-to-day operations. This usually creates less employee turnover and a stronger commitment because you have more frequent touch points with the team. Number two, despite it not normally being preached, there's a ton of room for growth if the company and the mission are aligned with growth, and most group practices usually are. The thing about it is that if you work for a group practice, the amount of network and mentors will be limited, so you'll have to go out and get the tools yourself. This, of course, isn't always a bad thing because you, who knows your strengths and weaknesses better than you do? And with the day and age that we're at today, we have unlimited access to podcasts, YouTube videos, Instagram feeds that have all of the things that we need to help us progress the next step in our career. Audiobooks are another one that I truly and genuinely love. Or if you like to read a physical book, you go ahead and do that. All right. You just need to make sure that you are making yourself the obvious choice for whatever that next position is that, that you're trying to get. Okay. Number three, it's totally cool that we have things like Weave and Swell and Dental Intel and that all of these things exist. It's kind of sad to me that they have to, but there's just so many things that these dang dental softwares are missing. All these additives can sometimes get confusing in group practices though, but I do see a lot of people use them really well by having clear streamlined expectations for how to use each one and provide tons and tons of training on them. And then I see other group practices get a little sticky with these things. They waste their money on all of these additives, like tons and tons of additives. Wait a second. (laughs) Can I just ask a question really fast? I know you can't respond to me. Whatever. But are they called additives? Are they adjuncts? What the heck are they even called? Okay, hopefully you understand what I'm saying because I don't freaking know. Okay, let's just get back to it. Anyways, some people waste their money on these things by not utilizing what they're paying for in a systematic way. They just have them for when they feel like using them, and that's totally not the best way to use them. However, when they're used well, this is totally a pro. And I will say this, all of these additives, we'll call them, are far better than the software that are inside of DSOs when they are used correctly. Okay, friends, let's wrap this up and talk about private practices real quick. I'm going to tell you something. This is something that's hard to talk about because they vary so stinking much. I have helped a single practice that has had one doctor and three operatories with no hygiene and other practices that have had 17 operatories, three doctors, and five hygienists. They're all so different. The pros and the cons are truly whatever you make them at this level, but I'll give you some cautionary common ones. Number one, the doctor is also the manager, leader, marketer, the everything. Y'all know that normally people call me because they need help, and this is a big one. They always say, but Ashley, I don't have the time to do all the things, and it's so overwhelming. Can you help me? Now, I know this hasn't been the format of this podcast, but I want to say something to you if you're struggling with this right now. Yes, you can. At this stage, it's not called being a dentist. It's called being a business owner. 
You just need to break things down one thing at a time. Let's get back into the con part of this. It can be a freaking disaster. Hey, I'm just being honest. The people that are working there have no idea what's going on from one day to the next. They're just guessing because the doctor can't get the clarity to get these things done. Again, if this is you, read the book The E-Myth. I feel like that's something that can really help you on your business journey. Okay, number two. And just these are just common things that these private practices have brought to me. And I'm not saying that it happens in all private practices, okay? But number two, and they don't understand cash flow. Hey, I'm all about the patient care, but we have to make money to fuel that dream. A lot of these private practices don't understand cash flow. And if you don't understand cash flow, that is a tornado that can strike and it can take you out in a second. I see private practices time and time again get into more and more debt and to accumulate tools for patients that they don't even have yet. The people that serve their current patients well and they use that money and those referrals to get the things that they need tend to have more success faster. Okay, my favorite thing about private practices or the ones that I have helped anyway, is the way that they tend to know all of the patients. That being said, it's so impactful when the office does this well and gets it right. They know about big family events like weddings and birthdays. It's just so sweet and fun for the teams and the patients to connect on this level. So that's all I'm gonna say really about private practices because they vary so much. Okay, Practice Ally people, I love you, I am here for you, and I genuinely want to help you on your journey. So thanks so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time.